Welcome to the Discipleship Podcast with Pastor Pablo Martinez. We truly believe disciples aren't born, they are made. If your desire is to grow, renew your mind, and go to the next level in the way you live for God, this podcast is for you. Pastor Pablo will be sharing the real heart of a disciple through tough but transformational truths that are sure to confront us. These truths will lead us into establishing the kingdom of God in our lives. Now is the time. Grab your pen, a notebook, and your Bible. It's time to get formed. Oh, (laughs) let's go. Welcome to Formation Fridays. It is so incredible to be in the house of God. You have no idea how amazing it feels. Um, We're just so excited to be here uh, as we are working towards full-on reopening the church. Um, For those of you that don't know, uh, we have taken initiative and we're going to be reopening the church. Um, uh, Next week, we're going to begin the first stage uh, where we're going to be wearing masks, we're going to be six feet apart. We're going to have all these, uh, you know, uh, sanitizing uh, experiences for you. We're going to ask you questions. You're going to get your uh, temperature uh, measured and all that stuff. Um, but check it out. We're going to be worshiping together in the house of God. You have no idea how amazing that feels, how incredible incredible it is. Uh, today we had some of the primary leaders here. They're sitting far away from each other. We've been actually spending time with each other. So we know these, these are safe folk. They, they are being sanitized. Uh, but you know what? The most important thing is this. I know that people are going to stores. I've been going to restaurants and they're open. And, you know, we're out, a lot of people are on the street. Here's the thing. I want to encourage you to think about this. That what's coming next, what's going to unfold in the following months, uh, it's not about opening the church. The church has always been open. I don't know if you know that. This church has never closed down. It's about now saying, what's my next step? Uh, How do I go back into uh, my community? Um, We never want you to feel forced. There are four things I want to explain to you about this next week. And then we're going to jump right into having an excellent and a consistent spirit, which is part of the 12 characteristics of a multiplying disciple. So the first thing is this. For next week, I want you to understand that uh, we are limited on capacity. So we're going to need only... We're going to be able to meet only about 45 to 50 people max. Uh, so what does that mean to you? There's going to be like a sign-up sheet. You're going to questionnaire. questionnaire. You can answer it. You have to answer it with complete honesty. And based out of that, of course, if you have uh, uh, been qualified, I guess you can say. Uh, but if you're able to answer these questions and they're satisfactory, then um, then you're able to, you know, to meet with us. Meaning, not with us. That sounds like you can't meet with us if you're not cool enough. It just means that, like, for example, you've been hanging out with people that have been infected or if you have, you know, high risk or whatever. Uh, so all these questions you're going to be able to answer. Uh, but I don't want you guys to feel pressured. And I need you to understand this very carefully. We don't want anyone to feel pressured to come back. Meaning, we don't want anyone to feel the pressure of saying, oh, if you don't show up, then you're not down, eh? You know, or hey, if you don't go to church, then that means you're not really holy. We understand everybody's situation is different. We understand that everybody's going through different difficult times, different times. Your family structure is different. And also what your own experience is different. So I want you guys to be able to have the freedom to join us online as well. But it is such an honor and privilege to be here that we're going to be able to give access to those people that do want to be here in person. And so once again, I want you to feel safe. Um, if you come, I want you to feel comfortable and also feel comfortable remaining at home. Here's the thing, though. If you're going to stay at home because of laziness or if you're going to stay at home just because you're growing cold or because it's just more convenient, then I would 
say that's not a reason. But you're going to stay at home because of safety, because you really do have the conviction in your heart that it is better and safer for you and others to do that than totally on it, than stay and do that. Now, we know that we're not going to fit here, so we might have to have a rotating schedule, okay? So we might be able, we might need to uh, rotate and just do uh, some accommodations. But um, that's the number one thing. The number two thing, and I want you to uh, kind of grab this in your heart, is we work a lot through cell groups and through small groups, right? Through leadership. Be open with your leader. If there's something going on, ask them. Ask them to pray for you. If you go to a cell group, whoever's leading that cell group, stay in contact with that person. Just because you cannot be here physically, it doesn't mean you cannot really continue to, you know, have a relationship with them. So if something's going on, let them know. And they'll help you work through all this. Number three, you have to remember that we serve a huge God, a mighty God, a God who is faithful and a God who is powerful. Can I hear an amen? God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And for that, we know that the Lord has been so good with us. And I just want you to remember that as we come back to church, it's not about us. It really is about the Lord. That God will protect. Keep praying that God will provide. But also keep praying that God will protect everyone in this place. Amen? And uh, the fourth thing, which one was the fourth thing? Jorge? Anybody remember the fourth thing? Am I my brother's keeper? That means this, that we have to look out for each other. We need to be able to take care of one another. We need to really be able to say, um, you know, if you have something, if you have a need, then be able to ask the other person uh, to help you out. And you need to be able to dive into people's lives and make sure they're okay. Anyway, we're going to bring out, like, uh, later on we're going to send you guys a link with all these things and, you know, the questions and the logistics. And uh, we're going to get better as we go along. Uh, This is something new to every one of us. And I promise you, we're going to get so good at it that it's going to be such an exciting experience and coming to church it's going to be what it's always been an incredible privilege to be in the house of God amen you got a shout of praise let's do this all right um I don't know if you guys can hear me okay but um I want to talk today about having an excellent and a consistent spirit what is it excellent and consistent spirit the first thing that I want to share with you is the difference between having contentment And having complacency. There's a huge difference between having complacent, I mean contentment, and having a complacent mindset. Why don't we pray and let's ask God to to speak to us. Is that good? Dear God, thank you so much. I ask you, Lord, that you please help us, God, to grow. Help us, God, to hear your voice. I pray, God, that you would help us, Lord, to receive and to be transformed. We are here for you because we love you so much and we want to be like you. I pray, God, that you change our hearts, change our mindset. So that as we go on in life, Lord, we can be light and salt on an earth that desperately needs it. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. So let me ask you guys a question. Do you know that the Bible actually says that it is a virtue to have contentment? Have contentment is super important. I want to take you to a a verse in the Bible that I think it's so key and so beautiful. And I think everybody knows the second part of it, but not the first part. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. Philippians 4, 11 through 13 says the following. Not that I speak from want. This is the Apostle Paul. For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. And I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled 
and going hungry. Both of having abundance and suffering. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Contentment says no matter what situation I'm in. I will not allow that situation to dictate my joy. Because my joy is not found in things or the quality of my life. But it is found in the Lord my King. That is contentment to say no matter what I'm going through. No matter how things look. I am content in my Lord. I find True freedom, true joy in my king who is the king of kings and lord of lords. Amen. Now you could say I'm in poverty but I am filled with joy. I am in lack but I am filled with joy. I may be sick but I have the joy of the Lord and that's my strength. Amen. However, a lot of people misunderstand the difference between contentment and complacency. Complacency is very different. Complacency is a refusal to improve. Complacency says, I am satisfied with my situation. Not because I tried so hard, not because I did my job as best as I could, but simply because I'm not motivated to do it better. Complacency says to the world, I am lazy, I can't do any better because I simply accepted my current condition. Do you hear the big difference? Complacency and contentment. Contentment is strength. Complacency is laziness. Man, when somebody is content, you find something amazing, something attractive. But when somebody is complacent, you find mediocrity. I've seen the difference. I've lived out those two in polar opposites. I felt the difference in my mind, in my heart, in my body, around me, in my finances, in my ministry. I know what it's like to be a content Christian. And I know what it's like to be a complacent Christian. Do you know the difference? Fathers of households, owners, breadwinners, bread mothers who have to be single mothers, for example, or even those parents that work together, you know the difference between a husband or a wife who's striving, who's working, who maybe the situation is not the best, but they have something inside of them. That though they are not angry and bitter and upset at God, they're working their way out of the hole. Do you understand what I'm saying? A lot of people are so content. And that's a great thing. But a lot of people are so complacent. Have you been a disciple who is a complacent disciple? Have you, had, have you accepted a complacent mindset? I'm going to speak a little bit more on that. But I want to define some things first to make sure that we don't get them twisted. I should make a song with that. Anyway, the difference between a content person is different than a complacent person. Another difference. The difference between a person with an excellent spirit and a difference between a perfectionist. Oh, buddy. Some of you guys are about to throw something at me. I get some iPads launched at me. There's a huge difference between a perfectionist and a person with an excellent spirit. A perfectionist is focused on doing things right. On how things appear and if others think they're done right. Excellence, however, is about doing the right thing. It is focused on the reason for the task and the results for it to be a success. Meaning, a person who is a perfectionist is focused on this thing and doesn't see the overall picture. For example, a perfectionist will hurt people along the way of the process. So they can do things the way they want them to be done. But a excellent person will understand that the Lord is the first one he needs to please and that leads their process and because the Lord deserves honor and deserves glory they want to do it unto him 
I know some of you guys didn't say amen with that one, but it's important, I promise you. Perfectionism is a thief of time. It drains your energy. It's like a blood-sucking vampire. It bullies and criticizes you. It demands unachievable outcomes. Since whatever you do is never good enough, it makes you try to live up to some illusion that doesn't really exist. Perfectionism is always out of reach. But the pursuit of excellence keeps you focused on whatever is that you're doing. It fills you with energy and can act as your greatest cheerleader. Listen to this. There is no damage to self-esteem like that found in perfectionism. Perfectionism diminishes your productivity, your efficiency, and your effectiveness. And worse still, damages your peace of heart and mind. On the other side, productivity is built into the pursuit of excellence. My friend, uh, uh, Pastor Bolden, wrote this. And when I, he wrote it, and as I was reading this, it's this huge article on the differences. And can I tell you how much it just blessed me? Because I started realizing things about myself. I started realizing that whenever I try to be a perfectionist, I can't bring people with me. It's so hard to bring people on board with my perfectionism. And I'm not saying I'm a perfectionist. I'm saying when I try to act like that, It actually hurts my family because it's unrealistic expectations. As a matter of fact, it's very unfair to other people because the truth be told, perfection could only be reached once we get to heaven. You want to be a perfectionist? There's a quick way to do that. I'll help you out. No, I'm but, but excellence though, it drives you, it motivates you. It tells you you can do better. An excellent spirit is so beautiful. Because it brings people together and says, we can do better. We can do better. A person who's a perfectionist will always look at themselves and compare themselves with other standards or other people. But a person who's excellent will always compare themselves with their best. Can I do better? Is this as good as I can do? Can I actually do this in a better way, in a more productive way? I want to give you one more thing about this, these two, and I think it's super important for us to understand. And that is that God gets no glory from your perfectionism, but God gets all the glory from your excellence. Perfectionism is asking others to see what you did. It's asking the reward of men that maybe, maybe, just maybe. And you're saying, Pastor, is that really accurate? Do you think that's accurate? Absolutely. I've dealt with perfectionists. For a long time, and I also de dealt with people who are excellent. A perfectionist, when they, when they do something, there's this neurosis about it. There's this, this anxiety about doing things. But a person with excellence has a different mindset. It has different motivation behind it. I'm going to challenge you to think about your life. I'm going to challenge you to ask yourself, am I a person who is excellent? Or am I a person who's a perfectionist? See, a perfectionist doesn't do things because they're afraid they won't get them right. A perfectionist will be afraid of even starting some things because they say, if I can't do it better than them, then I'm not even going to try to do it. A perfectionist will not do things because they're so afraid of getting it wrong that they may be doing something wrong by not doing it. Does that make sense? A perfectionist is looking at that thing and trying to get it right and they don't even realize that righteousness many times is simply in the act of obedience 
are not in that final outcome. A lot of people in ministry are perfectionists in their mind and their heart and in their spirit. And so they don't do what God has asked them to do. Because they feel that God will only be pleased if they get it right. And that is so wrong. God will not be pleased if you get it right. God knows you're going to fail most of the time. I would tell you God knows you will fail. Therefore, he sent his one and only son. Does that make sense? So when God is asking you to take the next step of faith, he's not asking you to the next text to take the next step of perfection. He's asking us to take the next step with him. See, perfection is an outcome. Excellence is a process. Come on. Perfection is an outcome. I'm looking for this. And if I don't get this, then I'm mad at him or her, my wife, my husband, my kids, my pastor, my everyone. Hey, what the heck? But you see, excellence understands. I'm going to get there. We're going to get there together. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Today, maybe not. But tomorrow, I'll be a little bit closer. Am I making sense? See, a perfectionist will quit so much quicker than an excellent person. Let me tell you why. Because a perfectionist will be driven by the outcome, but a a, an excellent person, listen to this, is driven by every single step along the process. So you're not just, oh, I can't get there. It's just the next step, the next step, and then the next step. I've been asked many times about process of the church. And I can tell you this, I need to get so much better. I need to surround myself with more excellent people. And this gets me started on my main three points. Once we have this definition down, we know what excellence looks like. It's not complacency, right? And it's not perfectionism, right? So, um, man, I have to say this. Some people are very complacent. And just because you feel peace, it doesn't mean it's from God. So many people feel peace about their mediocrity. And that's not because God stopped demanding something of you. It's because you just lowered your standard. And so, for example, some people may say, well, I feel peace about this. So it must come from the Lord. Whoever said that? Let me ask you guys, who said that that is the standard? That's so unbiblical. I've seen people go against the scripture, literally against the word of God, just because they have peace. And I just got to tell you this, many times a complacent spirit stops striving for holiness, stops striving for the close relationship with God. If you grow complacent, complacent in your process with the Lord, yet you see everybody else's mistakes, there's something wrong. Something really, really wrong. Whenever you cannot achieve your own, you start either bringing others down. And the second thing which I think is just as bad, if not even worse... You start bringing the standards down. So you either bring people down or you bring the standard down. And instead of grace, now you have tolerance. You see, there's reasons on why we should be excellent. For that, I will finish on those. But I want to give you these three points on how to have an excellent spirit. I'm not telling you because I already have it down. I'm already the pro at it. I told, man, I'm telling you, I need to grow. Which is why I put my first point here. Surround yourself with excellent people. When you surround yourself with excellent people, the first thing that will happen is going to expose your mediocrity. Man, when I'm around excellent people, I'm exposed in my mediocrity. I'm not talking to you from a high tower. I'm talking to you. I'm a person who's trying to grow every single day of my life. You see, I didn't read ever. As a disciple of Jesus, I began to read. Let me tell you why. Because I realized unless I grow here, unless I start enlarging, more people can't fit inside of me. Unless my mind grows, unless I expand my mind, 
that I only have the mind for some. Unless my heart grows, unless I'm able to swell up, unless I'm able to extend my pegs, my tent, then I can't grow. See, some people don't follow you as a leader, not because you're not nice, but just because you're so full of limits. And that's a hard truth to hear. But guess what? This is such a good thing to hear. Let me tell you why. Because God, <laughs> this is so crazy, chooses so many things for us. I mean, the Lord chose the color of the sky. The Lord chose the color of my skin and yours. The Lord chose my gender. The Lord chose so many things. Listen, the Lord chose for you to be alive today. The Lord chooses. The Lord chooses so many things. The Lord has your future in his hands. But listen to this. I understand this. What the Lord didn't choose is your excellence. You choose that excellence. Let me put it like this. The Lord has this future and he also has this other future. Now some people say, wait, come on, pastor. Explain this for me. Predestination? No, no. Listen. God gave you something called free will. And here's what happens. When God gave you free will, he gave you the choice. The choice of being excellent and making excellent decisions. Or the choice of being mediocre and making mediocre decisions. Whenever you choose sin over holiness, it's a decision. Whenever you choose to pray or go to sleep or click next episode, it's a decision. Whenever you choose to worship or not, it's a decision. Just as it is a decision to wake up at 5.30 or at 6, it's a decision. You see, one thing that God doesn't choose is your level of excellence. That is so exciting and that is so confronting. That you look at your life and you look at your ministry and you look at your finances and you look at your family and you can blame the world, you can blame society and that may be settling your heart for just a little bit. But one thing you can definitely and always choose is to rise above the level of your mediocrity. Now I know for sure, for sure that not everybody has the same experience. I come from Mexico City. In Mexico City there are certain ways of doing things. In the U.S., there's certain ways of doing things. Wherever you come from, whatever your culture is, there's certain ways of doing things. But there's one way of doing things in heaven, and that is unto the glory of God. See, sometimes people say, I do this because I'm from here. Or I do this because that's the way we do it in my family. Or I do this because of the way I was raised. How about if I told you this? That we have to start doing things differently with excellence, not because of where we come from, but because of where we're going. You see, instead of being pushed, we have to be pulled. And that's a very different mindset. A person being pushed, it's so annoying. Be very honest with you. When you're, when you're having to push somebody around, wives, somebody please say amen. I'm just kidding. No, no, no. When you, or husbands, right? When you have to push someone to do something, or bosses, man. If you're a manager and you work with employees that you have to push all the time. Or if your employee is trying to push your manager all the time. Oh, that's even worse. Having to push somebody is so difficult. But when you're being pulled, it's kind of exciting. It stretches you. It's like, man, this is the kind of person I want. You see, we are not to be pushed by our past. We are to be pulled by our future. What's our future? It's a beautiful citizenship, and that's called heavenship. <laughs> you and I are kingdom, are kingdom citizens. And as kingdom citizens, we are to begin behaving as kingdom people. How do kingdom people look? What is the difference between kingdom people worldly people it's not that one does things bigger or one does things quicker or more efficient 
is that one does things unto the glory of God. This is so crazy. So crazy to me. You know you can have two people. One with a huge house and the other one with a normal average house. The difference is when one person does it to the glory of God, one can have a mansion. But one, I mean, one, when one person does it to the glory of God, they can have a home. But when a person doesn't do it unto the glory of God, they can just have a mansion. They're both big houses, but one has the glory of God in it. A home filled with love. A home filled with something different. Why do I know this? Because I get to do this. I've gotten to do this for the last 20 years. When somebody does things to please people, it's always a failure. Always. If you're trying to please your wife always, I'm sorry to tell you, bro. You're failing. You're going to fail. But if you're trying to please God, and your wife is trying to please God, you're going to arrive at a beautiful place. Man, as a pastor, if I'm trying to please you, people, I'm going to fail. But if I'm trying to please God, and you're trying to please God, we're going to arrive at a beautiful place. Did you know that's the case for everything you do in life? If your friends are trying to please God and I'm trying to please God, we're trying to please God together, we're going to arrive at a beautiful place. Here's what happens. In order to be excellent, and the excellent that I'm talking about is the excellence of the kingdom, you're going to have to surround yourself with people that are excellent and have that mindset as well. What does that mean? That you're not going to have any friends that are not excellent? I'm just trying to tell you this. That your mindset and your influence has to come from a specific place. A pastor one time told me, don't ever let someone minister into your spirit who doesn't have a certain level of holiness. A person who doesn't have vision and a person who doesn't love the Lord. Pastor Herman Galvez told Eoni and I that very thing. And I remember it was in Riverside, right outside in a parking lot. And that always pierced my heart because I can allow people to be near me. I can allow people to speak. I can allow people... To challenge my mindset, but to minister into my life, that's something different. You see, intimacy is something so beautiful. Intimacy is your gates have been opened. Let me ask you the question, who have you opened your gates to? As a friend, into your heart, into, into the intimate part of your life. Who has access into your convictions? If a person is not excellent unto the Lord, if a person doesn't glorify God, I want to tell you who they're glorifying themselves maybe even glorifying a nation but they may not be glorifying the Lord they may be glorifying a gender or a race maybe glorifying listen to this a church but are they glorifying God if a person is glorifying God give them access if a person is not looking for the glory of God listen and listen with the filter of heaven why do I tell you this because there's no way to be excellent unless you surround yourself with excellent people Man, this is so powerful to me because it's blessed my life so much. Someone asked me, where did you learn to be a husband or a father? My father died when I was two months old, three months old, two or three. My stepfather, <laughs> I don't even want to start that conversation. My closest father figure was my brother, my older brother who's older, two years older than me. And I would beat him up. So who taught me how to be a father? Excellent fathers. Who did I look to be a husband? Excellent husbands. I don't look around just to see a good opinion or a good book. I wanted to know who's an excellent husband unto the glory of God. Not just who has a happy wife. Man, I'm talking about excellent 
unto the glory of God. Let me go a little bit further, otherwise I'm going to get stuck here. So the first one is this. Surround yourself with people that are excellent, but not just excellent, but that give God glory. Amen? Number two, super important. You need to be able to decide, if you're going to be excellent, you need to be able to decide to be excellent always. Not just sometimes, but always. That's something I'm working on. I can be very excellent in some things. I'm being vulnerable with you. I hope you can appreciate it. And some other things, I'm like, I'll get it done later. And you know what? I realize that eats away at my character. Nothing eats away at your character more than unfinished tasks. And that is so hard to admit. Man, I can be so good at something. And other things I can just push back. And I know, I can feel it, that eating, eroding away inside of me. Listen. You and I have to make a determination. And determination begins at the end of motivation. When you're not motivated, you still have your determination. When you're not happy anymore, when you're not excited about something, you have to have something called determination. You see, Daniel had a different spirit. Daniel had an excellent spirit. I don't want to read to you the whole thing, but I'm going to read to you just one passage. It's found in the book of Daniel chapter 6 verse 3. Then this Daniel disguised himself above the governors and satraps. Distinguished, I'm sorry, not disguised. No. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because of an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thoughts to setting him over the whole realm. Did you hear what I just said? That Daniel... Distinguished himself among all the intelligent people, all the religious people, all the politicians, all the lawyers. He had a different spirit. The Bible says he had an excellent spirit. It doesn't say an excellent book or an excellent education or an excellent upbringing or an excellent family. You don't know excellence, it's a spirit. Excellence is a spirit. So I read the New Testament where Jesus says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And so I began to ask myself the question, where do I draw my excellence from? Where? I already told you, I need to have good friends around me, people that are excellent. But the most important thing is understanding this. My excellence must come from one simple place, and that is the Lord. So why do I finish something? Because I want to give God glory. Why am I going to now, and I'm telling you this is important. Make a choice, as you and I should make a choice, like Daniel made a choice in the cafeteria to not defile himself with the king's food. It's because he was making a determination that he would get things done even when it was inconvenient. That he would make us take a stand even when it's inconvenient. Excellent people are still standing when everybody else sits down. Excellent people don't leave until it's time to go. Excellent people... This is probably the hardest one for me. Finish every book they begin reading. <laughs> I have so many unfinished books. I thank God now for audiobooks because then that allows me to finish every book. But listen, do you finish what you start? Do you finish what you start? I go back to that. Do you finish what you start? Do you stand when it's inconvenient? I need to tell you this. An excellent person must have an excellent faith. An excellent person must have an excellent faith. If your faith is not excellent, then it's a faith that chooses when to survive and when to die. 
when an ex- a faith is excellent, it thrives in the coronavirus. It thrives among the greatest division that our country has seen in the last 40 years. If your faith is excellent, it thrives among some of the toughest financial circumstances. Let me tell you why. Because Daniel had something excellent about him, an excellent spirit. And when the king said, you cannot pray, here's what he did. He went up to his room, opened the doors, lifted his hands, and understood that meant the lion's den. Yet his faith still said, I'm going to be this person here and in the den. The same one in the upper room as the same one in the dungeon. The person with an excellent faith says, I don't care what happens, I'm going to be faithful. Now I understand, and I'm, I'm going to make sure I clear this up. Normally I wouldn't have to because it wouldn't be this circumstance. This is not about being foolish. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying go to the hospital and start hugging and kissing everybody. I'm talking about something simple. I'm talking about, can you have faithfulness when it's inconvenient? Can you tithe when there's cutbacks? Can you believe God when everybody else is saying, nah, God's not with us anymore? Can you tell your wife? Can you tell your husband? You can do whatever the heck you want, but I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. I saw that happen in my own household where my mother was in ministry with my father, my stepdad. And my stepdad simply said, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to become a theologian. I don't want to be a pastor anymore. I'll dedicate myself to books and to translating of the scripture. But I don't want to deal with people anymore. I hope you could understand what I'm trying to tell you. My mother, as a woman in a Hispanic community, was told not to do church anymore because women are not supposed to speak. They're not supposed to preach. But she had a different spirit, you see. She had a spirit that says, I don't care. No turning back, no turning back. And so my mother gathered her kids and said, if you guys want to do this, we're going to do this together. He's no longer with us. He doesn't want to do this anymore. We're not going to condemn him. We're going to push him away. But I'm going to do this. And so I was 15 years old. I don't know how old I was. I said, Mom, I'm with you. My brother, 17 years old. Mom, I'm with you. My sister, 18 years old, said, Mom, well, I'm with you. And I saw my mother do something a little bit different. She began to be what she always was, a woman of faith when it was inconvenient. When men would tell her, sit down, you're not supposed to be up there. And she would continue to preach as though that man didn't exist. I saw my mother in the midst of the most difficult financial circumstances say to us as kids, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. My God has never let me down. Inside of me, I was like, what do you mean? Is this not letting us down? But you know what? My mom would always prove me wrong. When God would come in and do something miraculous, I'll be like, okay, I understand now what that means. See, my mom had something so special. Her faith was excellent. Her faith wasn't just good. Her faith wasn't just okay. Her faith withstood the test of times. Not time. Not only time, but times. So I just encourage you to think about this. Surround yourself with people who have an excellent spirit. Ask God to minister to you. That same thing, an excellent spirit. Be excellent unto the Lord. And I'll finish with this. Did I say that already? But I'll really finish with this. (laughs) See, when you have an excellent spirit, it simply brings God glory. The reason we ought to be 
excellent. It's because our God is excellent. It's because my God, my King, is an excellent God. When my God created this world, he knew exactly what he was doing, and he was doing it right. Having an excellent spirit comes from an excellent God. My God does everything well. Some people mistake grace for tolerance. My God is graceful, but he's not mediocre. My God is graceful, but he does things right. It's amazing when Jesus walked this earth, his accusers would say, he has done everything right. Did you know God didn't make a mistake when he called you into ministry? He didn't make a mistake when he called you to raise a family. He actually decided that you would represent him. And that is the reason why we ought to be excellent. Because we are ambassadors of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Everyone in here and everyone watching, we're ambassadors of God. I don't know if you realize this, but I'm an ambassador of my King. And the way I represent him in my marriage is the way my kids will see the Lord. Isn't that crazy? That the way I behave today, now, as I serve God... I can tell my kids everything. I could read to them the Bible. I can preach to them. I can have them sing. I can sing with them. But let me tell you this. If I don't serve God, if I don't model what an ambassador looks like of the kingdom of heaven, he'll begin to think. My kid will begin to think that there's another way, that there's a better way. You see, when you're an ambassador, you represent your country. When you're an ambassador of heaven, you represent the kingdom of heaven. So we have to be excellent because we are representatives of heaven. Some people will never read the Bible, but they will read your life. Some people will never read the Bible, but they will read your life. So let me ask you the question. You may have everything, all the titles. You may have everything that seems right. But the greatest question is this. Not are you doing things right, but are you doing things with righteousness? Is who you are, is it what you are giving glory to God? Sometimes in church, we come across a lot of mediocrity. A lot of churches, I was talking to this, where we're doing the floor in our house, and I was talking to a couple of the guys, they're both Christian, and they were saying how sometimes in church, they have the worst sound system, the worst sounding bands, the worst everything and they say it's for the glory of God I'm like I always heard that I'm like that doesn't give God glory it doesn't give anybody glory so here's what we're going to try to do I want to challenge this church as I've been challenging my own life some of you guys are here and thinking man pastor is that really possible yeah I want to challenge us to be excellent more and more and more and I'm not speaking to the world right now I'm speaking to CFF the more excellence we show The more excellent we can become in the way we manage our houses, the way we manage our finances, and the way we manage this church, man, I promise you this, it'll evangelize people much quicker, much, much, much quicker than any campaign that we can do, or at least much more effective than any campaign we can do. Billy Graham gave a staggering statistic that of all the people that come to his campaign, it was nearly impossible to count how many remained. So other people began to pull out stats. Some said 2% remained in the Lord. Some said 5%, but none said more than 5. 5%? 
I'm sure other people would love to hear it more. You know what consolidates people the most? You know what remain, what helps people remain the most? A changed family member. A family member that began to be excellent. I love what Marcos just preached about. Marcos, you're such a blessing. What you talked about was exactly in line with this. We didn't talk about this. You know I was going to preach about this. But when your life begins to change, something begins to happen. Adeli, when your life changes, something begins to happen. Right? As you become a better student, others would wonder, what's the difference between that girl? Amen. Alexis, as you become a better employee, you're going to have access. People are going to wonder, why is this girl like this? Why is she always so joyous? Why does she do things so well? Why is it that she's not clocking out early and coming home late? Why? Because she has an F, just an excellent spirit. There's something different. See, you'll be able to tell them, Lucy, there's something different because God gave it to me. See, witnessing is more than saying verses to people and making them feel like crap. Did I just say that? Witnessing is more than making people feel like doo-doo. Witnessing is saying there's a better way. There's a better way to do things. I want you to pray with me for something. A bad Christian is bad advertisement for Jesus. Whenever you drive down the freeway or on the streets and you see the McDonald's signs out there, you know, the what do you call those? The billboards, yeah. You see the McDonald's billboards? Why is it that the burgers always look much juicier, the lettuce looks much fresher, and the Big Mac looks just poofy? It looks nice. But then when I buy it, it's like flat, looks like cardboard. I'm not knocking McDonald's. I eat it all the time anyway. I love McDonald's. I'm just saying it doesn't look the same. See, because McDonald's understands something that Christians sometimes don't get. No matter what the product is like, if people see it and it misrepresents or even, I guess they always do, but if it, if it knocks it, it brings it down, they're not going to want to go into the store. They're not going to want to go into the McDonald's. Does that make sense? If they can get your foot in the door, then they can get you with the rest of the experience. The kids' toys, all them stuff. Kids, my kids don't even, they don't even, I don't think they even like the food at McDonald's. But they got screens, man. They got They got stuff there. I think that's how it is in the gospel. The Lord says, just let them get to me. Just help them get, get a little bit closer to me. I'll do the rest. I, I'm better than McDonald's. I promise you that. If, they, if you could just get their foot in the door. But what happens with bad advertisements, Christians that talk about heaven but live like hell, man, we can't do it. We can't preach one gospel and reflect another. So I want to challenge you with this. Start with something super simple to change your spirit. Start with something super simple. You got to build up to the greater excellence. You cannot start lifting and benching 350 pounds. You sometimes have to start with the, the cookies, we call them, the fives. Then you go to the tens and fifteens. Then you start looking all big like Jody over there, 400 pounds. Not how much he weighs, how much he could push. Don't get it wrong, don't get it wrong, don't get it wrong. That's a hunk of a man. What I'm saying is that we can't all be like this. We have to start somewhere, right? So here's what I'm going to challenge you with to start. 
I'm not going to ask you to make your bed. Some general already did that on YouTube. What I'm going to ask you, you guys got to see that video. It's really good. What I'm going to, we should put the link down there. But what I'm going to ask you guys is something super simple. I know it sounds, sounds really, it cannot be that simple. It really, really is. Pick up a book. If you don't read, pick up a children's book. Pastor, you're kidding me. I'm serious. Pick up something so simple that it will destroy your excuses. Something so simple that you could actually finish. Then move on to something a little bit bigger. Don't start with the autobiography of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, like 600 pages. Start with something simple that you can say, hey, I can do this. Then you're going to tell your, the weak side of you, hey, if I did that, I can do a little more. I know it sounds so like just behavioral science, but I promise you, it's called small victories. Start having small victories. You want to become excellent in your marriage? Don't start at the top. Don't start with everything. Sure, your wife will say, sure. But start with something so small. Start with something that pleases your family. Something tiny. Doubt of yourself and something small. You want to start witnessing? Start in the easiest way possible. Start with something simple. Why am I saying this? Because a lot of you are carrying a lot of failure on you. And you feel like you can never succeed in anything. Because you're comparing yourself. You're seeing excellent in everything. And sometimes God is simply telling you, walk with me. Walk with me. Walk with me. You'll fly later. Walk with me right now. Just walk. Take the next step. Choose one book. One simple book. And tell the leader. Tell the person that's discipling you. Hey, Frank, I'm going to read this book. Hey, George, I'm going to read this book. Can you hold me accountable? Sure. What's going to happen if you don't read the book? I don't know. I'll give you 50 bucks. Oh, pastor, now, see, I knew. I knew it's all about money with church. I knew it. Fine, don't give him 50 bucks. Give him your shoes. I don't know. But do something that has consequence. Start building it up. This is the practical side, guys. The other part was the amening side. This is the oh, man side. Where you say, okay, I actually got to do something. In order to be excellent, you have to say it. Then you have to be accountable for it. And then the last thing is you have to reward yourself for it. If you don't reward yourself, it's going to be really hard for you to do the next thing. So I'm going to challenge you. Choose accountability. And the third is choose a reward as well. So when you get to that place and the leader knows that you're going to get it done, and then you do the next one and then the next one. Does that make sense? I know it sounds too simple to be true, but I want you guys to start on this journey of being excellent. And at the end of that, just give God some glory and say, God, I glorify you through this. Thank you. I praise you, God. One testimony is this. A lot of people in this church have become great readers. They read books. They're always trying to find the next thing. But many of them came without honestly reading a lot at all. One of our primary leaders had graduated college and never read a single book in his life. I know some of you guys are like covering your face right now. Is that? Some of you guys are like, is that possible? What's the secret? The first book he read was the one book that we said as a 12 was we're going to read this one book. And it's so amazing what began to happen. He began to see that he can be excellent in that. That he can change. That guy devours books, man. That guy now, he's asking me, Pastor, what are you reading now? What's the next thing? As soon as I say a book in the sermon, he's already reading it, downloading it. What happened? Began, he began to be rewarded by excellence itself. Did you know excellence carries a great reward with it? I know I'm going over time and that's not excellent. But I want to tell you guys, I love you so much. Let's pray together, yeah? Let's pray. Would you guys stand up if you're here? Um, next week, we'll all be covering our mouths because there's going to be people from different places as well, sanitizing. We're going to try to do it as excellent as we can. 
You'll be seated by, if you come in groups of your family, you'll be sitting with your family. Single people will be on the left side. So you guys are going to have a chance to, you know, see a little bit more uh, clear image. And then the couples and married families will be on the right side. So, um, okay, anyway, so uh, let's pray and let's ask God to give us an excellent spirit. Let's ask God to break down the mindset of complacency and give us something different, an excellent spirit. Let's ask God to help us to not be perfectionists, but to be people that always strive to glorify God through our excellence. Dear God, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you, God, for everything that you're doing here. Lord, I want to thank you for something personally. I want to thank you for everyone here. Lord, I want to thank you because you're a good God. You're a personal God who loves intimately. You know our weaknesses. Yet your power is perfected in our weakness. I ask God that you help us, Lord, today to recognize our mediocrity and how that doesn't please you. And I ask God to help us to strive for excellence. That if someone here has the habit of showing up late at work, that you challenge them with that. If someone here, God, is not finishing tasks, that you challenge them with that. That if a leader here says, what's happening? And they realize they haven't been growing. Challenge them, Lord. Help us, God, to become more excellent. Would you help us to renew our mind in this church? I declare in the name of Jesus Christ that this church is changing for your glory. That this church will be excellent. That it's worship, it's music. God will be so excellent, God. God, that everyone that walks in through these doors will be able to say, what an excellent church. I thank you, God, for, for people like Whitney and Tony, God, would make our church look excellent on the outside. Give us that love for the house, the excellent spirit. God, help us, Lord, to be accountable. Help us, God, to strive, to reach. Thank you, God, for the people that are, are excellent, that confront our lack of excellence. Help us, God, to stop excusing it and to accept it. Not to attribute it as their own, but to achieve, but to rather have the desire to achieve it. Give us hunger for excellence. God, we want to praise your name with our mouths and with our lives. Let the people see you, Lord. Thank you, God, for everything you've done so far. Thank you for this time. Thank you for what's coming in this church. We pray for a special protection over us. Let your blood, God, shower this church. Cover us. Cover us, God. Keep us intact in our, whole, in our hearts, in our minds, and in our bodies. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Goodbye, amazing and excellent people. We love you so much. We'll see you guys soon.